straight up? Straight up. Straight up. Straight up. Straight up. Should a Christian pay tithes? Okay, so what's a tithe? A tithe simply means a tenth or 10% of something. Ah, gotcha. So where do we see tithing in the Bible? We see instances of tithing as well as the commandments of tithe in the Old Testament. But there are also mentions of tithing in both the Old and New Testament books of the Bible. Okay, okay. So when is the first time we see tithing in the Bible? We see tithing for the first time in the Bible in one of the stories of Abram, who was later renamed to Abraham, Mm. the name we are more familiar with. In this particular story, Abram has just returned from a war where he was fighting to rescue his nephew Lot after Lot had been taken captive by a group of kings who had conquered the city that Lot was living in, which was Sodom. During the rescue mission, Abram had recovered Lot, Lot's possessions, as well as all of the goods of Sodom and its people. After recovering everything from Sodom, Abram meets with two people. One of those people was the king of Sodom. After all, Abram had all of his stuff now, and the king was hoping to get his stuff back. The other person that Abram met with was someone named Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the king of Salem and a priest of God. Melchizedek brought bread and wine to his meeting with Abram, and the story says that he blessed Abraham. When he blessed Abraham, he said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. Melchizedek was doing two things. One, he was letting them know that he was blessed by God. And two, he was letting them know that the victory that he had won in war was actually God-given. The story says, then Abram gave a tenth of everything. This was the first tithe ever mentioned in the Bible. Some things to note here. Number one, Abram did not pay a tithe on anything that he had earned himself. But he paid a tithe on what God delivered into his hand, on what was specifically God-given, which in this instance was the spoils of war. Number two, Abram did not pay money. Instead, he paid a tithe on goods, which again were the spoils of war. Spoils of war could have been anything like livestock, clothing, jewelry. Number three, this is the first mention of a tithe being given, but it is not the first mention of someone having money or valuables in the Bible. The previous chapter of the book of Genesis, chapter 13, mentions that Abram was wealthy in livestock, silver, and gold. So although Abram had possessions, wealth, silver, and gold prior to this meeting with Melchizedek in chapter 14, the Bible never mentions him paying tithes on anything that he had. This points to the fact that there was something significant about this occurrence that caused him to pay the tithe and that it was not something given regularly or given on things that someone worked for or acquired themselves. This is another significant point that we'll see again. Number four, Abram's giving of the tithe was not mandatory. There was no commandment or law to pay a tithe at this time. All right. All right. So when's the next time that we see tithing in the Bible after that? The next time we see tithing in the Bible is in the story of Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, verses 20 through 22. In this story, Jacob has a dream. In the dream, God says to Jacob that he will have many descendants and own land. God also promised that his ascendants would spread all over and that all of the people of the earth would be blessed through Jacob and his offspring, and that God would never leave Jacob until accomplishing all that he had promised. The next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had slept on, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on it, naming that place Bethel. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, it will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I may return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give to me, I will give you a tenth. This is the second mention of a tithe in the Bible. Again, there are some things to note here. 
we see Jacob making this vow to give a tenth only once. This is not something that seems to be recurring. Number two, notice the language of the vow wherein Jacob says, if God gives me, then I will give back to him. Jacob is not talking about things that he will earn, but things that will be given to him. All right. All right. So where is the next time after this that we see tithing in the Bible? The next time that we see tithing is in the Mosaic law that was given to Israel. It's important to note that the laws regarding tithing were not in operation until the Israelites had reached the promised land. They were not in place during their captivity in Egypt or during their time in the wilderness. The laws were in effect only in the land that God said he was giving to them. All right. So I'm, I'm seeing the theme here. I'm seeing the theme. So were there different types of tithes? Yes. In the Mosaic law, there were three types of tithes. The first was the Lord's tithe. The second was a tithe of feast. And the third was the poor man's tithe. The first tithe, the Lord's tithe, required the Israelites to give one tenth of the agricultural produce and livestock to the Levitical priesthood for their service to the Lord. This is how the Levites were provided for since the Levites didn't receive any land inheritance like the other tribes in the promised land. It is important to note that if the Israelite wanted to redeem their tithe, meaning keep the tenth of food or livestock and pay money instead, then an additional 20% had to be added to the monetary equivalent of the tithe. There was a penalty for paying the tithe with money. We will see why later. In the second tithe, the tithe of feasts, this was a tithe that one would set aside for themselves. This tithing would occur on years one, two, four, and five of a seven-year cycle. The Israelites were instructed to eat this tithe before the Lord, wherever the Lord instructed them to do so. They were to take a tithe of their grain, their wine, their oil, and the firstlings of their herds. If they could not transport their tithe to the place that God instructed them to go, then they were instructed to exchange it for money and then take that money to the specified place and spend that money on whatever their hearts desire. They were instructed to eat and drink whatever they desire and to rejoice in this place where the presence of the Lord would be. The third tithe, the poor man's tithe, was a tithe of the produce that was set aside for the Levite, the stranger, the orphan, and the widow on the third and sixth years of the seven-year cycle. It is important to note a few things about the three types of tithes. Number one, none of the tithes were paid with money. In fact, paying the tithe with money incurred a penalty of an additional 20%, meaning that the Israelite now had to pay 30% instead of 10%. Number two, the tithes were paid only from the land that God gave to the people with things that only God could give, not things that people could earn for themselves. Okay, so those are the scriptural references to the tithe, but like what exactly is the significance of the tithe? Why was it so important in the first place to God? Good question. But before we can answer the question of its significance, we must answer another question first, which is why was a tithe a tenth or 10%? Numbers are very important in the Bible. We see the repetition of numbers like 3, 7, 10, 12, and 40, amongst others throughout scripture. The number 10 in scripture represents a complete provision from God to man. God provided great things for man in counts of 10. For instance, when God created the earth as a place for man to live, he spoke 10 times. When God gave his first clear expectations of man, he gave 10 commandments. When God wanted to free his people from Egyptian captivity, he caused 10 plagues. When God wanted to send the Holy Spirit to his people, he did so 10 days after Christ ascended into heaven. When God chose to make his first covenant with man, he waited 10 generations from Adam, making his first covenant with Noah. 
When he decided to make a seventh covenant, he waited another ten generations from Noah making his second covenant with Abraham. There were ten post-resurrection appearances of Christ, etc., etc. Not only do we see the number ten having the significance of divine complete provision towards man in the Bible, but its significance is also found in the historical remains of other pagan religions as well. Why is this significant? Well, let's remember, the first person recorded paying tithes in the Bible was Abraham. In Joshua chapter 24, verses 2 through 3, it tells us how God had taken Abram from the place where he and his family served other gods, meaning that Abram was pagan prior to being called by God, also meaning that Abram had pagan understanding, rituals, and beliefs that he followed. The pagans believed that when the gods had made the complete provision for you, which was again signified by the number 10, it was to be acknowledged by giving back one part or one tenth or a tithe. The purpose of the tithe was to acknowledge that the complete provision had been divinely given. So when we circle back to Abram's encounter with Melchizedek, we see that after Melchizedek informs Abram that it was God who had delivered Abram's enemies into his hands, then Abram gives a tithe as an acknowledgement that the victory had been divinely provided and that it was not the work of his own hand. We see this same theme of the tithe used to acknowledge that the complete provision had been divinely given again with the Israelites' commandment to tithe. They were only to tithe on the promised land, the land that God repeatedly told them was the land that he was giving to them. Not only were they to tithe on the things that were in the promised land, but they were only to tithe on the living things. Again, things that only can be attributed to God and not man, such as food and livestock, since man can create neither of these. Another point to note here is that the Israelite tithe would go to the Levites. The Levites would then tithe on what was given to them. They were also to acknowledge that God's divine provision had been made for them as well. Alright, that's a ton of great information. But like, what does that have to do with me today? Like, should we as Christians be paying tithes or what? Well, let's take one more look at everything we have seen now. Number one, the commanded tithe was not on money. But instead, they tithe on living things, things that can only be credited to God. Remember, there was a penalty for paying with money. This is because money could be earned by one's own efforts and hard work. The tithe, however, had to do with divine provision being made, where no man could claim credit. Number two, we should take note of the pattern of tithing under the Mosaic Law, which shows us that God gave living things to his people. And as an acknowledgement of those living things being given to them, they gave living things back to God. In other words, there was life given for life received. Being that every ordinance and practice under the law pointed to Christ, we can easily see the true significance of the tithe coming to the forefront. Christ, who referred to himself as the life, was God's complete and divine provision given to man. And as an acknowledgement, we give our lives in return. Number three, here's another point that we must consider. Christ fulfilled the law, meaning that we are no longer to live under the law anymore. Because the tithe was mandated under the Mosaic law, along with commandments such as making animal sacrifices, if we are to continue paying tithes as a mandate, we should also continue to sacrifice animals for our sins. Doing either of the two points to the insufficiency of Christ to fulfill the law after all. Number four, continuing with that point, both tithing and animal sacrifices were done before the Mosaic law was given and continued until the death of Christ on the cross. But after his death on the cross, animal sacrifices were no longer done by those who believed that Christ had fulfilled the law. Why should tithing continue? 
Okay, wait, so there are no mentions of tithing in the New Testament then? Well, yes, there are, but these should be carefully looked at before coming to any conclusion that we should continue tithing after the death of Christ. One scripture that is often pointed to, but less often analyzed, is Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, where Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. And the same account is given in Luke chapter 11. But there are a few things to note here. Number one, Jesus has not yet died on the cross. So the law was still technically in effect. Remember also that although the Gospels are not in the Old Testament section of the Bible, the law of the Old Testament was still in effect until the death of Christ. Number two, Jesus was actually criticizing the Pharisees who were teachers of the law for tithing, but not acknowledging the more important things of God's law. He tells them that they should have been doing both, especially since he had not yet died on the cross. There's another mention of tithing in Hebrews chapter seven. In this reference, Paul is given a thorough explanation of the insufficiency of the law and the significance of Christ. The mention of the tithe here is actually a reference to the exchange between Abram and Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14, as we've already discussed. The final mention of the tithe in the New Testament worth noting is in the parable that Jesus tells about the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke chapter 18. Here, the Pharisee is thanking God for his righteousness based on his good behavior and his obedience to the law by paying tithes. We know that this mention of paying tithes was in obedience to the law because this man was a Pharisee, a teacher of the law. Therefore, we see that these three New Testament mentions of the tithe are actually criticisms and references to the Mosaic law, not actually supporting scriptures of paying tithes in the New Testament. Ah, uh, so does this mean that I will not be cursed with the curse for not paying tithes? Because it says something about that in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Yes, that's exactly what this means. The use of this scripture in support for Christian tithing is incorrect for the following reasons. Number one. The scripture was intended for the Levitical priest during the time of the law. The specific mention of the priest to whom this was addressed can be found in the previous chapter of Malachi, chapter 2, in the first verse, which says, Now you priests, this is a warning for you. If you do not listen, and if you do not resolve to honor my name, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse your blessing. Number 2. The storehouse mentioned in this scripture is actually the temple, which housed the Spirit of God during the time of the law. That temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Christians are now to see themselves as a temple, still housing the Spirit of God. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? However, because the temple was destroyed, there is no longer a Levitical priesthood to care for it, and therefore no longer a need for the tithe to provide for the Levitical priesthood. Number three, there is also the fact that Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 mentions God's concern for there being food in his house, not money. This is in line with everything we have learned thus far. The tithe was never monetary. So to answer the question, after analyzing the scriptures of the Bible, we do not believe that the tithe is something that should be practiced by Christians today. Number one, it was not money because money is something that we could work for and take credit for. It is also something that is man-made. Number two, it was done under the law, the same as animal sacrifices. Number three, there are no mentions of it being done after the death of Christ since Christ fulfilled the law. And number four, the tithe was given under the law to acknowledge that life had been received and life should be given in return. The way that we tithe today is with our entire lives. 
We give our lives because life has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Okay, so I guess the big question right now for uh, a lot of people would be, should I stop giving my money to the church? Of course not. There's absolutely nothing wrong with giving to the church to advance the kingdom of God. Also, we must remember that Jesus tells us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. He also says, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Of course, it was not intended for us to give only to the needs of the church, but to the poor as well, as we see in Matthew chapter 19, verse 21, where Jesus tells the young rich man, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. The point that is being made here is that we are no longer under any obligation to give 10% of our income to any church because the law requiring the tithe is no longer in effect after its fulfillment in Christ Jesus. After the death of Christ, we are to give freely as emphasized in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, which says each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We have been set free from the law, and as the word says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed.